Well, look, Tom Fitzgerald, you are in today. Did we start? <laughs> We're starting. <laughs> Great. <laughs> You're on. I'm going to get Fitz. fired. Yeah, we just right. started. I'm already going to get fired. You're very diplomatic. <laughs> you have to be. You, you know, you do on the Hill. You have to interview people of That's all That's a nice sides. way of saying BSer, and I clean that up. You've nailed it all these years. <laughs> How many years, by the way, have you been with Fox 5? Uh, I came here at the end of 2002. Really? Fitz, that's insane. You're going to be fill coming in, up on 20 years. My first years. shift was... My first shift was filling in on Thanksgiving, and Bob Barnard and Paul Wagner made fun of me because I wore a tie to work that day. Wait, did we not wear ties back in the day on Thanksgiving? Apparently, you weren't supposed to wear a tie on a holiday because oh. none of the managers were here. And I walked in like the eager beaver that I was, ready to make a good impression on my new schoolmates, wearing a tie. and wow. was promptly welcomed into the family by Bob Barnard and Paul Wagner abusing me for overdressing on a holiday that i think i was wearing a suit too which <laughs> was kind of also ridiculous faux pas? okay okay on i didn't know i was new what did i know i didn't know anything i still don't know anything oh my gosh well now aren't we back to ties i feel like you have to wear a tie now everyone seems like they're in it it, ties. Uh, it appears to be the look i'm stuck with but yeah. it does present a problem when people see me in nature oh gotcha and i am not wearing said and suit and they look at me like I've done something wrong like I'm doing something I should not be doing in that moment because typically I am presented in full suit and tie like a walking Sears catalog yeah but it is true it is your uniform but we digress anyway uh, look Patrick <laughs> is away in New York this Where's week Patrick he's away this this week in New York working I think uh, or, or doing something so um, he's always doing something he's doing something the question was where is he doing something <laughs> yeah and how important is it really you know probably pretty important well we think you know, too important to be he's here. He's probably up there. Is it's, there another? It, it, is there listen. like an almost World Series game up there for the Yankees yet, or what? He's probably there. <laughs> I don't think they call it the almost <laughs> World Series. I think the official name is actually the American League Championship. Oh, all right. Series. Got it. But you could call it the almost World Series if you want. Yeah. We might have an almost World Series here. So, Fitz, we have a lot to cover. I want all your thoughts on Giuliani. More testimony on the Hill. Uh, Basically, you know, Trump has kind of come forward with this Ukraine stuff going, oh, you know, text messages prove that we, you know, we didn't want anything. It was status pro quo. Well, Mm -hmm. now we're going to hear from the guy who texted that, who says that he was instructed to text that. So there's a lot to unpack with Giuliani, everything Mm -hmm. that's going down there. Um, Sure. Also want to get your thoughts. Yesterday it was trending on Twitter. There is apparently a video or there was a video that was played at Mar-a-Lago. Saw um, it. Yeah, I saw it as well. Yeah. Trump essentially shooting all of his opponents. Well, um, it was his face. Well, we'll get into it. But it was, he, it was his face put on a scene, kind of the uh, pinnacle scene of the first Kingsman movie. Yeah. Um, and that was, it was kind of uh, ramping up one that we had seen before about Donald Trump when he was in a wrestling match, for real, uh, with WWE. And then they put, you know, a CNN logo on the face of his opponent, and that was supposed to be representative of Trump's struggles against the fake media. 
this thing kicked it to a whole nother level. Yeah, absolutely. So I um, want to talk to you about that. You also had a big viral moment last week um, with Bruce Allen from the Redskins. So we have a lot Either to Either viral cover. or pandemic. I'm not sure <laughs> what, what I stepped into there. Yeah, but yeah. It, I want to know what got his some, reaction. Got some reaction to that. All right, let's start with sports. Sports is big okay. right now in this town. Uh, the Nats, it looks like, could potentially, if they win tonight, be headed to the World Series. What are your? Give me all your thoughts. It's electric. Electric in this city right now. And, you know, I'm going to put my cards on the table. Full disclosure as a journalist okay. here. Okay. I'm a Yankees fan. I grew up in New Jersey. Been a Yankees fan my whole life. Um, through the 70s, through the really bad years of the <laughs> 80s, where we were a joke. And then, obviously, some more success in the 90s and a little bit in the 2000s. But I've always had this weird relationship between my teams that I grew up with in the Washington teams. And the reason was I always rooted against growing up the Washington teams. My Devils always played the Caps. My Giants always played the Redskins. My Knicks always lost to the, <laughs> to the Bullets and the Wizards. Okay. So I always had kind of had this rivalry thing. That's different with me with the Nationals because I was here when they got here. Yeah. Um, I never rooted against the Nationals. They don't play regularly against my team in my division. I've always described myself as a Nats supporter, but I wouldn't want to insult the fans by claiming to be a fan. Okay. Yankees are not. I watch the Nats and I root hard for the Nats. However, I'd always kind of said, you know, conversationally, because I can't shut up about anything, that if the Nationals were to ever get into a World Series against the Yankees. Ooh. Well, of course, of course, I would support my Yankees. Never thinking in a million years like, this actually might stink and happen. I know. And now, now, now it might happen. Can you believe if it's Nats, Yankees, World Series? That'd be I think like, it's, okay. it's going to happen. Wow. And by the way, for everybody. I think tonight, I think tonight, as we record this, I think the Nats are going to sweep the Cardinals tonight. And they get into the World Series. Yankees are like two games behind as we speak right now okay. because their series started later. Nats had already played two games by the time the Yankees even played their first. Gotcha. So they are on pace to kind of wrap up their series a lot faster than the Yankees. But it's so great to be here in this city and see this. Because, you know, from 1971 to 2005, Washington, D.C. had no baseball at all. Yeah. They lost two incarnations of the Washington Senators. One of them moved, the first one, moved to Minnesota, became the Twins. Then they got a team back. That became the Washington Senators. They moved to Texas. So they lost two teams. In 1971, it embarks on a decades-long desert wasteland of baseball in the city. Yeah, the Baltimore Orioles tried to kind of wrap their arms around Washington, D.C. At one point, they even took the word Baltimore off of their uniforms. They tried to establish themselves as... It's like the, a D.C.-Baltimore team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The de facto team never really took hold in people's hearts here. Yeah. So when the Nationals came in in 2005, there was this thirst. And I was there the very first game in RFK. Uh, it was a thrilling, thrilling win that night. Was there for the first game in Nats Park. Yep. So to watch this team, and they've had heartbreak over the yeah. last couple of decades. You know, yes, they're 
maybe a relatively new team to Washington because they've been here a shorter amount of time than maybe you say the other franchises. But there's been a lot of drama and near misses and heartbreak. Tons. For Remember these fans. all the like nat knolls? Like they were like couldn't spell oh, anything yeah, yeah, for a yeah. while when they first started. They were the sort first of like uniform, the laughing stock. That was that that was hysterical because I mean, there is this crazy wonder, you I, I doubt you read this, but there is a wonderful blog uh, called Uniblog. Okay. Run by a guy named Paul Lucas. And Paul Lucas for years now has has only paid attention to one thing, and that is the uh, uniforms of sports. Oh. And for the sports fan like I am, because I don't when I go home I don't tend not to do the politics thing. Right. I'm really a big sports fan. Paul Lucas uh, has tracked uniform trends for years, and um, the early incarnation of the first incarnation of the Nationals uniform had the word Nationals spelled out in capital letters across the chest. Right. And apparently one of the uniform manufacturers um, misspelled the word <laughs> Nationals. Yeah, that was like... And then didn't they have like no choice but to play one night with the misspelled yeah. like uniforms or something? Yeah. It was really like a big embarrassment. So but it's been cool to, to see. To bring that back to today, though, it's what's really cool to see right now is, you know, there's that great line in the office where Michael Scott says, I'm not superstitious, but I'm, I'm a little stitious. Yeah. <laughs> um, what the Nationals are doing now is, and they might want to get those to the dry cleaners before this is all over, but they have been wearing their blue jerseys. Now, they're typically a, you know, red and white team, but they ha- do have these blue road jerseys that they wear. They haven't lost since they put them on. Wow. So they take them off. Wow. So they have worn these each and every single game, and it's working so far. So I wouldn't be surprised if they get into the World Series and you see them wearing those blue This jerseys. town will be bananas, so yeah. we'll see how that unfolds. Um, let's stay on the topic of sports for a second with the NBA. Um, you ha- This is something you've kind of been following mm-hmm. and covering. Obviously, politics is sort of... It's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. So um, LeBron James getting a lot of heat yesterday commenting on... Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's Maury, I think, right? Is the uh, yeah. general manager yeah. who Down initially... Down in Houston. Yes, Houston in Houston. Rockets. Who initially made the comments uh, in support of mm-hmm. Hong Kong. Um, and yesterday, LeBron James comes out and says that, you know, he... he he was out of line. He should have never commented. Um, you know, what he did could have damaged people spiritually and financially. LeBron getting a ton of backlash now in the United States. Yeah. So what's your take on this whole thing? Is It seems this to en- continue to unfold. This entire thing is a mess. It's like watching a cow trying to walk upstairs <laughs> on roller skates. Every time anybody in the NBA is opening their mouth about this, they are going in a completely different direction and usually, ineloquently, they're making it worse. Okay. So let's rewind to what happened. So the Houston Rockets general manager tweets out this image of support for the pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong. Okay? Freedom of speech. The sure. United States. We have that. Apparently, China doesn't care for that too much. Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, comes out and states that the GM for the Houston Rockets doesn't necessarily represent the position of the NBA. Sure. That leaves supporters of the Hong Kong pro-democracy protesters to say, well, NBA, I guess you're throwing in with communist China now as they attempt to squash free speech rights in Hong Kong. Adam Silver comes back out again and says another statement. That makes a lot of people angry. 
other NBA coaches like Steve Kerr have had clunky things to say about this along sure. the way. Bottom line was the timing on this couldn't have been any worse. When the Houston Rockets GM sent out this tweet, the NBA was on its way to China to play in a series of exhibition games against Chinese national teams. Chinese government's furious about this. Right, right. They were ripping the logos off of arenas. Games were canceled. Sarah, it even wound up here in D.C. Because lo and behold, the Washington Wizards had their own exhibition game. Okay. Against a team from the Chinese Basketball Association, which went ahead. However, a group from called the Victims of Communist uh, Victims held a protest in front of the Capital One Arena that night. They were handing out free Hong Kong um, T-shirts. Okay. Uh, and then once inside the arena, began holding up signs saying free Hong Kong. Security from the Capital One Arena came over, removed the signs. Now, the wow. protesters were allowed to stay. But, look, they got way more attention for a couple of people who got into this arena with signs and got their signs taken away. I think you can bet that's not the last we're going to see of that. Yeah. And we're going to see that once this season really starts rolling because the fact that they have now tied the NBA to the situation in Hong Kong uh, has given these pro-Hong Kong democracy forces a way into the public consciousness which they didn't have before. Right. These protests have been going on for months. Sure. And to be clear about what they're about, the Chinese government has allowed Hong Kong to operate autonomously since Hong Kong was returned to China. However, the people who run Hong Kong do answer to Chinese government. The Chinese government apparently had instituted a law for Hong Kong to adopt that would have allowed people charged with crimes to be extradited to China. So if you commit a crime in Hong Kong, you could be sent to China, and there, my friend, you would deal with the communist Chinese justice system. Yeah, I bet. How does that sound? Um, Not good. (laughs) You probably don't uh, get any fair representation. Don't think I'd be calling Jacoby and Myers to represent me in that one, right? So the issue becomes with the NBA. Okay, well, look, NBA. Previously, when you had issues come up like, say, social justice or Black Lives Matter, players were allowed to wear T-shirts. The NFL allowed players to kneel. Why are there exceptions made for issues like that? But yet, when it comes to the human rights of a market which you yourselves say is critical, and more people watch the NBA in China than watch it here in the United States, it all comes down to dollars, NBA? Okay, but here's my argument to you, and and I wish Patrick was here today, too, because, I mean, it's like... I wish Patrick was here today, too. (laughs) But it's like, you know... It's a business, and China is one of their biggest financial supporters, as you said, biggest viewers. So it's like here. If we insult our biggest sponsor, you know, aren't we going to apologize? Like, I mean, are, you know, is Patrick really going to allow us to bash 
you know, our big one of our biggest sponsors? I don't think so. I mean, that's part of a business. I, I mean, will say this. You open yourself up to the charge of hypocrisy if you were going to allow protests on other issues. But when it comes to human rights in a country full of your fans, you suddenly are more concerned about the financial impact that that will have. But speaking out about Black Lives Matter doesn't really have any repercussions for the, the NBA because... Black Lives Matter isn't supporting them financially. There's no money investment. There's no, I mean, there's some fan investment, but not nearly on the level of what China is. I mean, I think it, it, it's, a, it's a hard and situation. I'm not, I'm not like, even suggesting that they shouldn't allow protests on social justice or right. the flag or whatever. What I'm talking about is consistency. That if, you're going, to, if you're going to establish a, 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 a protocol here that there is room for social justice commentary, and let's be honest, all athletes usually have issues dealing with this kind of stuff. You know, Michael Jordan got a lot of criticism over his career, not for his basketball. He's the right. greatest basketball player, in my opinion, that ever walked the face of the earth. But Jordan would would resist being dragged into issues or commenting on issues that he didn't feel were pertinent to his basketball career. Now, a lot of people criticized him for that. Right. But you look at Michael Jordan. Right. right. You know, you look at Michael Jordan's career. He never really ever got dragged into any of these kinds of controversies because Michael Jordan didn't go there. Right. So the minute you open up that Pandora's box. Sure. I, I believe that um, your consistency is going to get called into question and possibly her hypocrisy is going to get called into question if you do not establish a, a, a regular opportunity for commentary on these issues. And if you're going to pick and choose which one goes through and which one doesn't, people are going to call you out on it. And right. that's what the NBA is dealing with right now. All right. Let's just talk Giuliani and Trump um, and then we'll come back to, to talking a little bit of Redskins. Okay, um, sure. So... You know, Giuliani getting a lot of heat today. There's been some testimony on uh, Capitol Hill in regards to this Ukraine situation. Not from him yet. Not from 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 Giuliani. When do we think we'll hear from Giuliani? When do you think they will have him speak or testify? Well, uh, there are deadlines. Okay. uh, For Congress. See, what's different about this than than the Mueller case over the summer? Yeah, I like your... a, A lot of the Mueller case played out in public. Okay. You know, there were, you know, finally over the summer we had that kind of like hearing Robert Mueller anticlimactic you know Democrats themselves have told me they thought about only 10% of that probably helped make their case and at the end it all just really seemed to dissolve on contact okay after Mueller issues his report and then there is that really you know be honest it was a lackluster there really wasn't anything yeah 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 um you know if I had a dime for every time he said I refer you to the report, you know. Um, but this is different in that a lot of what's going on with this impeachment inquiry, they're following the Watergate mode here okay. more than they did with the Mueller case. A lot of Watergate was conducted uh, through interviews, depositions, and um, they've got they would gather the evidence before they got to the point of a public hearing which would lay out the case that was all reversed during Mueller they did so much of that out in public right. and really in if you look at it now maybe too much 
because people kept going to these hearings. They kept turning these things on. They kept leaning in, expecting to hear the gotcha moment in the Mueller report. And more often than not, when we would do these reports on these hearings, people would say, hmm, I didn't hear it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't hear it. Yes, there were indictments. Yes, there were convictions as a result of the Mueller investigation. But the big tuna there, did the president do something that was impeachable? It, it, it did not manifest in those hearings. Gotcha. Um, we don't know if there are any possibilities down the road after Donald Trump leaves office. We've talked about this before. But um, what's going on right now, a lot of these interviews are being done uh, e- with uh, staffers. Okay. You're not getting these dramatic Q&As from members of Congress. These are lawyers who represent the committees. Uh, they are doing most of this uh, in closed session. Now, Republicans have been complaining about that because they actually want the opposite. You know, they saw how the Mueller thing played out, and in large respect, it played out to President Trump's advantage. Yeah, right. Throughout most yeah. of those hearings, um, there was so much testimony and so much drama on the part of you know both sides. Sure. That really it it kind of drowned out what the point. Um, this has been operating a, a lot more clinically, a lot more behind closed doors, which makes some people uncomfortable. Uh, but the Republican mantra right now has been. Get this out in public. Let's have a hearing. Um, the president has been saying, like, expose the whistleblower. Okay. Um, which, which, by the way, do you think will happen or no? The whistleblower is protected by federal law. Okay. The way the law was written, whistleblowers are protected because you want to be able to encourage people who work in the federal government to use the whistleblower law. The president has a very different view of this. Sure. You know, the president has said that whoever this person is has accused him unfairly and he should have a right to confront who he is accusing him. Well, the difference is um, from from what we do know of the little reporting uh, of the whistleblower. This is an official with the CIA who was uh, assigned to the White House, was not on this call. Um, and the attorneys for this individual have now expressed concern for that individual's safety. So. Out of the gate, when the first whistleblower complaint was filed, there was talk that there was going to be a hearing, that there was going to be a public hearing. And how were they going to keep the whistleblower's identity secret? Well, one of the ideas was, well, we'll disguise their voice. Right. We'll give them a we'll give them a weird computer voice or something like that. Or or if you can remember back to the early 90s during the William Kennedy Smith trial, they put put a blue dot on the witness, uh, on the, cover the witness's face. So that was kind of floated as a trial balloon. Maybe a screen around. Yeah, the sure, a screen, like something, yeah. That all seems to have gone away now. Okay. Um, Adam Schiff, who's the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, basically is now saying that they think they have what they need already from the whistleblower. Okay. And they are now pursuing the information that the whistleblower brought forward through firsthand party sources. One of those... Uh, is going to be the Secretary of State, Mick Pompeo, uh, who was on the call. Yep. Um, one of them this week is going to be Gordon Sondland, who's the United States Ambassador to the European Union. Now he, in a series of text messages with another diplomat, had said there was no quid pro quo. Um, 
Where did he get that? Well, apparently Gordon Sondland's ready to tell Congress he got that from the president. Yeah, exactly. Because the two of them right, had a conversation. Right, okay. But, you know, it, it's funny. The, the first story that you get on these things a lot of time tends not to be the full story. You know, Adam Schiff, when the whistleblower first came out, um, kind of gave this uh, reaction like this was just dropped out of heaven. That, oh, lordy, look at this. A whistleblower has stepped forward. Well, it turns out now we know that the whistleblower had been in touch with Chairman Schiff's office before we found out about this. So this was no surprise. To so, right, okay. you know, these are the kinds of things that both sides point out, poke at, pull out, kind of throw on the table to kind of dent the other side's argument. But clearly, I think what we're seeing here in this impeachment inquiry, I think this is one of the reasons the president is so animated about this. Okay. Uh, is that this is moving forward in a way that is a lot more direct at him than the Mueller case was. You know, the Mueller case essentially was about what did other people do around sure, candidate sure. Yeah. private citizen. And part of the Mueller Donald thing Trump. was even giving Trump the benefit of the doubt that maybe he didn't know, uh, you know, that some of these calls or whatever could be considered illegal. I mean, there was kind of a lot of, you know, like gray area. There was a know. very ad hoc. Um, yeah. Um, Which obviously now we know if this Ukraine uh, feeling around the Trump campaign in 2016, I saw some of it. Um, You know, one of the lines uh, Jared Kushner had said was along the way. And there was some, you know, validity to this. At one point, Kushner had said, uh, I don't know how we could collude with Russia when we couldn't even collude with ourselves. Um, That Trump 26 campaign, you know, uh, victory obscures a a lot of reality sometimes. And um, that campaign um, kind of flew by the seat of its pants at, at, at times. But what this is about, what Ukraine is about, is an action of the President of the United States himself. Not an underling, not somebody who was related to him, not somebody who worked for the administration. Right. Him. And that is different, and that's one of the reasons they have stepped on the gas pedal on this with the House Democrats. Throw in the fact that he went on television and said he wanted China to do the exact same thing. <laughs> Um, That was just throwing lighter fluid on the fire. Um, So what are you hearing? Obviously, you're on the Hill almost daily. You know, you you talk to a lot of people on both sides and insiders. Do you think that this really has a lot of merit? Of course, Trump is going to stick with the, you know, we've released everything. This isn't true. You know, I obviously he and Giuliani are are very united. But it sounds like Giuliani ran amok, you know, did whatever he wanted as well with the Ukraine. So do you think that is true? You think there's really something here for impeachment? Um. One of the things you do in journalism is you don't decide the truth of something oh, or, the, okay, or the fallacy yeah, uh. of something before it actually... Uh, Sorry, this is an opinion podcast. We just throw out our thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, opinion really, is, uh, my opinion is that I should have no opinion about that. But w- w- what I will say, though, is uh, in regards to Rudy Giuliani, um, it's been remarkable for me to watch where he is right now based upon say where he was after 9/11. There was a yes. time when there was a time when Rudy Giuliani was on the cover of Time magazine as America's mayor and had seen New York City uh, my city uh, through, you know, the the worst domestic terror attack in our nation's sure. history. Uh, to see Rudy Giuliani now um, kind of laid out in this way is is remarkable to me. This was somebody who yeah, ran for president at one point, uh, was thought to have been probably the next 
moderate Republican standard bearer moving forward. Um, it's it, it hard to wrap your arms around that. Now. Right. Uh, and the president himself was asked this past week whether or not Rudy Giuliani was still his attorney. The president said, I don't know at one point and answered a question of saying, ask Rudy Giuliani, which sounded a heck of a lot the way he answered a question about Michael Cohen on Air Force One. Ask Michael Cohen. Uh, so his position appears to have solidified, but we're seeing a lot less of Rudy Giuliani on air right now because his most recent appearances have tended to make things worse. Yeah, right, right. Very erratic, um, yeah. Um, so, you know, whether or not he continues on the Trump team is one thing, but it's part of the problem here because with um, the president's attorney now being a subject, a part of this investigation, it it really does curtail his ability to operate at some point, Rudy Giuliani is going to have to mount a defense of himself if he yeah. is under investigation in all of this. Now, he says, you know, we should state this, that he did nothing wrong. But during the phone call, and we're not making this up, this is from the transcript the White House put out, the president directs the president of Ukraine to stay in touch with Bill Barr, who's the attorney general of the United States. Sure. Nothing wrong with that. Chief law enforcement officer of the United States. And Rudy Giuliani, his personal Attorney, the problem is, is President Trump telling the president of Ukraine, you're not going to get this $400 million in military aid if you don't go and launch an investigation of the Bidens. Yeah. As of now, nobody's actually said what it is Hunter Biden is accused of doing. They Got just it. wanted an investigation according to this transcript. So it's, yeah, it's a mess. Yeah, fascinating time, I bet, to be uh, doing your gig. It, it always like, is. Yeah, right? I mean, it probably, is. yeah, probably pretty epic. Um, all right, well, let's talk about you a little bit. You you just had this big moment uh, last week with Bruce Allen, who remains the general manager mm-hmm. as of now with the Redskins. Um, oh, you asked Redskins. Him a, this is like the anti-national story. Isn't it? Like I, they the yin and the yang. Like we should mention the mystics, you know? So, like, we're in a period of time right now where it's, like, sports crazy here. Yeah, People huge. Are, yeah, sports crazy. You know, the God bless them. The, the Redskins finally did win a game against the worst, worst team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The actual worst team in the NFL, the Miami Dolphins. But, um, you know, coming off the heels of the Washington Mystics WNBA team, they win world championship. You know, congratulations. Great. People really, really happy yeah. about it. People were into it, which was nice to see. Awesome. Um, and then, you know, the Nationals are on this tear now, and they're probably heading to a World Series. And then you have the Redskins. Um, they fire their coach. Uh, They went winless. Uh, They didn't win a game all season. Daniel Snyder, George Allen, president general manager, they fire the coach. And then the question becomes, okay, what now? So uh, I went out to Redskins Park. Yeah. Hadn't been there in quite a while. (laughs) Uh, I I think the last time I went there actually was to do a story in the wake of the Colin Kaepernick uh, uh, protests. Um, Probably about three, four years ago. All right. So I talked to... Jay Gruden that day seemed like a pleasant guy, but he wasn't winning football games. And if you don't win football games, that's the bottom line. You're, yeah. you're out as a coach. Sure. Um, and, you know, he, six seasons, um, things weren't going well. Losing record. Um, fans were fed up. Uh, and he's out. So the press conference was not with the owner, Daniel Snyder, who never came to the micro. There were two press conferences that day, by the way, separate press conferences okay daniel snyder never came to either one of them 
Gotcha. Uh, Bruce Allen was sent out for the first one. And that's where uh, I got a chance to spend some time with Bruce Allen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you ask him point blank, you know, if you, f- you know, if he feels that he owes Redskins fans an apology. Well, I mean, I'm a political reporter. Right. All right. So what am I doing in a football press conference? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I know spin when I see it. And we were watching some good old fashioned Washington, D.C. spin on display the other day. We're turning a page. We're going to move forward. Right. All the rhetoric, gonna, right? Yeah. So that was very familiar to me. Um, a lot of other, you know, the regular sports journalists who were there were asking, uh, you know, really good questions about, you know, uh, the team, uh, what they do with the quarterback, you know, because they got a you know, rookie quarterback, Dwayne Hoskins. What, when are they going to start this guy? Uh, is he going to get a chance to be the quarterback? Some other things about how the team operates. Um, but as I was kind of sitting there, um, you know, I have a you know, I, I have a lot. You know, another full disclosure: I'm a Giants fan. Yeah, I have a lot of friends who are Redskins fans, and I hear them all the time. We talk about football. That's okay. what we do. You know, we talk about sports, and I wasn't hearing anything that I thought sounded like what my friends were saying. So. Um, the questions went around the room and they finally, um, came over to me and I said to Bruce Allen, I said, you know, yesterday, and remember they had just come off a loss to the Patriots where Patriot fans were all over. Oh, it was embarrassing. It was like embarrassing. Yeah. It was crazy. Well, Patriot players were saying it felt like a home game in Foxborough. And they have, there was a video of Tom Brady walking off the field into the locker room or whatever and just up into the stands. And as far as you could see was just blue Pats jerseys. And I'm like, wow, you know, 10 years ago in this town, you never would have had that. 15 years ago. Yeah. And it's just sad to see. And Bill Belichick, who is oh. a mummy. Yes. Doesn't say anything about anything ever. Acknowledge yeah. the fact. It was such a big. About how remarkable it was to have so many Patriot fans in the stadium that day to cheer on the Patriots defeating the Redskins in their own building yeah so with that in mind I you know I I raised my hand and Alan looked at me and I said that I didn't know this is pretty much verbatim what I said to him I said I don't know if this is a football question but it's a state of the state question and I said to him your stadium yesterday was taken over by Patriot fans. Yeah. The players heard it. The opposing players heard it. The opposing coach heard it. Yeah. And I said, as we sit here on this Monday, are you prepared to offer any kind of apology to the Redskin fans that have remained loyal to you and this team for so long? And what are you going to do to make things better starting today. So what I was looking for, you know, like when I, I don't tend to just kind of emote questions. Sure. I, I do kind of think intention. about yeah. Especially when you're in a press conference because if you've been in those situations, you know, it's a little bit like being in a batter's box. Right. Um, when you're in a press conference, um, you've got to kind of wind yourself up, get your batting stance and be able to, spew out that question clearly to um, get an answer. 
And if you kind of meander, if you kind of go through different machinations of it, it loses its impact. And, and you want to ask a question that is precise and impactful because that is going to, and I'm telling you this, you've been interviewing people forever, uh, but you, you ask people. But yeah, you got it. Yeah. You ask a question to produce an answer. And if you kind of meander th- your way through, you're going to get a meandering answer. Sure. So I wanted to come up with a very, very direct question to him, and that was it. Talk to me about your stadium. Talk to me about your fans, your long-suffering Redskins fans. Talk to me about what you're doing. So a bit of a three-parter. Um, the first part, um, he tended to say that the, it was the Redskins fans' fault who sold their tickets. And at one point, he said some fans made some money selling their tickets on the secondary market. Well, it was later pointed out to me by some fans that um, the team may have a financial interest in that secondary market through their own uh, uh, their own uh, deals. Wow. Uh, which it's not a secret. It's not anything wrong. Sure. But it, it, it's true. You, there is a secondhand market that you can go on and buy tickets if somebody is not going to use their tickets. Use them, sure. And there's nothing wrong with that. But... Uh, that wasn't received very well amongst many of the Redskin faithful. Um, a lot of them pointed out to me uh, on uh, Twitter later on that they didn't. A lot of them didn't even make face value on that ticket that they sold if they if they wow. did sell it. The second one part uh, was whether or not Redskin fans deserved an apology. That did not um, become addressed at all. Kind yeah, of blew past that. And you know the third part about what are you going to do moving forward. You know, there was talk about the culture being damn good. Um, that the yeah, the players were really good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. wasn't yeah, yeah. And, and it's like um, what what I think you know, looking back on it now, um, the question wasn't really about the players; it was about George Allen, and that kind of got deflected onto the players for, for some reason. I wasn't asking a question about the players. Yeah, you're asking, asking what he's going to do directly. What he's going to do. And, you know, Bill Callahan, the, the now interim head coach, came out about two hours later. And, um, you know, for what's worth, I, I, I was somewhat impressed by him. You know, he's a veteran coach, seemed like a good guy, and he had a lot of um, specific answers that he clearly thought about um, as an offensive line coach for that team. You know, again, I'm not a sports journalist, but I'm a big football fan. Um, I, I, I am constantly amazed at um, the ability of the Redskins fans to endure because they have put up with so much. Now, but they're way diminished than what they used to be. But, you know, when you love a team and it gets in your veins, right? you almost can't help yourself. You know, I've seen my friends do this who, who are Redskin fans. They hate what's going on. Yeah. They don't like what's going on. But it's their team. Yeah. It's yeah. their team. Whether they're mad at them or not, they just want it to be better and it's not getting better. Right. And it's painful. You know, people laugh at it. Like, oh, you're being ridiculous. It's just it's just sports. It fills a big role in people's lives. It's a yeah. major source well, of entertainment. It's community, like we're seeing with the Nats. You know, it, it, it's such a morale thing. It's community. It's bars. It's rest. You know, it's it really just goes through the entire. And you know, you connect with people that you don't even know, stranger. You know, it's just it's such Absolutely. a great thing that brings people together. And you know, they've you know, I, I talked to one of my friends who's a really really big Redskin fans, and he he just kind of said, 
he's a Nationals fan too. So on the one hand, sure. he's thrilled with what's going on with the Washington Nationals right now. But then comes Sunday. <laughs> comes Sunday. Yeah, it's painful. Then you tighten your gut. And for more weekends than not, and let say it again, they did beat the Miami Dolphins. But for more weekends than not, you tighten your gut and you wonder how bad it's going to be. Yeah. And these are, you know, uh, the the fans that reached out to me over the last week, my, my, my takeaway from that was I just hope it gets better for them. The people who say... Fire Dan Snyder. That's not how it works. Right. It's not going to happen. It's just yeah, we've talked about that. How it works. A You're not going to fire Daniel Snyder. It's his team. Sure. Uh, your team too, if you're a fan of it. But Daniel Snyder's not getting fired. So what you need to hope for is uh, the kind of uh, functionality sure. that you see in the Nationals organization somehow miraculously evolves in. The Redskins organization, but it's really hard to see how that's going to happen. Really hard. Um, well, Fitz, you've been awesome to join this podcast this was today. Fun. I like this podcast because when I do my own podcast, which I'm going to plug right now on yes, the hill, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, sitting in your seat, I I'm basically just asking the questions where it's like this is it's fun to be the co-host because then you can just like talk about hitting back like you can just hit back and then you know when you're the host yet yeah, you're always pitching you're always setting people up you know. So like you, you don't get to like react as much. I like. But doing see, that I idea. enjoy it when Patrick does it because Patrick will just light fire to things. The anarchist in me loves that. Yeah. I just, I love, just like, boom. <laughs> it's so funny to have a journalist on because we obviously Patrick and Where? I are not. So we. <laughs> Where? We're the opposite. We judge everything first, and then we try to find the facts later, like the next week. So it was great to have somebody that was a fact-based on first. Well, I try. <laughs> You're great. <laughs> so, uh, okay, um, obviously we see you on the Hill on Sundays. Tell us about your podcast. I know we can find it on yes. iTunes, everywhere. Uh, Fox 5 on the Hill, uh, Washington's first word in Sunday morning talk live. Uh, every Sunday morning at 8.30 on Fox 5. You can great. watch online at fox5dc backslash live. Um, and you can also uh, drop the uh, On the Hill podcast, which comes out every Monday morning. Um, and um, that we have a fuller... I like to say that the uh, the television show is an interview. The podcast is a conversation. I, oh, I bet. A much deeper dive. Yeah. So, Well, Fitz, thank you so much for being here, and we'll definitely check it out. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot.